morning, everyone, and welcome back to Sugar Mama's Fire Play. I am financial planner Canna Campbell, and today we're chatting again with Queenie Tan. Welcome back, everyone. A quick reminder, please make sure you are subscribed and following my podcast. And if you love this podcast, can you please do me a huge favor and leave a very quick rating and review? Just like every dollar counts towards your financial goals and dreams, so does every rating and review. So a quick shout out to my general advice warning. Thing you hear is always for educational purposes only and general advice only. It's never personal advice, product advice, strategic advice, or investment advice. Always bear that in mind. And apologies if you can hear my children downstairs. Uh, Queenie and I are filming, uh, filming, recording from my home. So we're just keeping it real with the juggle of children, school holidays, and um, that magical phase where children are between the ages of two and four and they have multiple tantrums, which is something Queenie and Pablo can look forward to. <laughs> um, Queenie, thank you so much for coming to record this podcast with me this morning. I want to hear your story. Like, where does, all, where does your story begin with your financial journey, particularly people who have never come across your content before? I would say my financial journey started when I moved out of home at 19 and I wasn't earning very much money and I moved in with my partner Pablo and at the time it was really, really tight in our budget because we didn't have a lot of money. We were young people, you know, just trying to, to find work and to keep our jobs. So I... Yeah, I remember in those times it was pretty challenging, but looking back, I'm really happy that that happened because I learned so much and I really learned how to value money, how to budget things accordingly. And in a way, I'm kind of glad because I always think back and think, you know, if anything happens, like I know how to live on not much money, so I'll be fine no matter what happens. So yeah, it was, yeah, interesting. How did you go from being just great with budgeting and cash flow then to becoming an investor, because that's obviously a big and very exciting transition and evolution in natural financial well-being and that journey. Like, how did that shift happen for you? I think what happened was we started to have friends that were older than us and also doing well financially. So Pablo actually has this, this, these friends. Um, they lived in a very beautiful house, um, beautiful relationship. He actually met them at Mardi Gras when he first came to Sydney. <laughs> yeah, so they're like an amazing couple and they, I guess they were one of our financial role models and they really inspired us to start investing towards our future. And I think just having, you know, a few people in your life when you're young thinking, you know, once you start to have friends that are doing well financially, I think it inspires you because you know that it's possible then. Or if you don't have anyone in your life, like even just looking up to, I guess, people in the media, people on television, even a character, I think it, it's kind of nice to feel close to somebody that's achieving the things that you want to achieve. And I think you can definitely learn a lot from role models and people in your life. I call those people secret mentors. There are a lot of people in my life and not just in financial capacity, but in a, um, even an emotional capacity where I look at the, them and the way that they handle certain situations and they are secretly my mentor and they don't even know about it. Yeah, but they, I think it's so important to help you, inspire you and to keep your chin up and 
the confidence and faith in yourself to keep going. With your financial situation, obviously you've got a mixture in your investments. What was your first investment? So my first investment was in a robo-advisor because at the time Pablo and I were looking to get ahead with our money and we had both had full-time jobs and we were finally able to consistently save um, a bit of money every month. And we realized that after reading a few financial books that having all of our money sitting in a bank account maybe wouldn't give us the best return over the long term. So we started looking into different investments we could make. One of them that we looked into was ETFs, but we were completely new to investing. So we didn't know which ETF to pick. It was a bit overwhelming. Mm. So we realized that there were some products out there like robo-advisors, which essentially you do a little quiz before you invest in a robo-advisor about your financial goals, your risk profile, and then they will recommend a portfolio to suit your risk profile. And we figured that that was our best uh, option at the time because we didn't want to have to pick ETFs to invest in. So yeah, we started investing in a robo-advisor. I think at the time it was about $5,000 and that was really, really scary because it was all of our money that we'd saved up. We didn't have much money and we were really, really scared about investing because, you know, you hear things on the news or, you know, oh, from those friends. headlines are scary. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you know, we thought that we'd lo- we could lose all of our money. So it was a bit nerve-wracking. I think looking back now, I wish that I started maybe with a smaller amount of money, maybe with $5, $10, because you can do that nowadays. So yeah, at least to dip my toes in and realize that it's not so scary and then and then work my way up to $5,000. What is your like a number one financial goal? Because with the sh- my Sugar Mama content and even my own personal financial goal, my big number one goal is to build a passive income, which is what I call my mindful money number. And that is $200,000 a year for Tom and I a passive income driven, which is very in alignment to the fire community. What is your number one financial goal? You know, it has changed over the years. So initially we were looking to, you know, save as much money as possible and get to financial freedom as early as possible. But I think what we realized over the past couple of years, also from reading some different financial books, what we realized was it's important to have a balance. And obviously you do want to save towards your longer term financial goals and reach financial freedom. And we still want that too, but we also do want to keep some room in our budget so that we can go on holidays and splurge on things that we really enjoy because I think it's it's important to have a balance in life. Obviously, you don't want to spend all of your money and have nothing left for the future, but you also don't want to save and invest all of your money and not really enjoy the present either. Yeah. Um, but no. yeah, I think freedom, freedom is really what we're after. Freedom to be able to do the things that we want to do, to be able to support the people that we want to support and do as much or as little with our time as we'd like to. I think that's ideally the goal, to really buy back our time and our choices. Now, you've been quite vocal about private health insurance in that you've chosen not to have private health insurance Do you think that will ever change and what have you done to add an extra layer, I guess, to safeguard yourself or an extra safety net in your life to help you take into that risk in your life? Yeah, I think insurances is one of the areas where we could definitely improve on in our finances. And when I was working full time, I did have private health insurance because it made sense at the time with the salary that I was earning. And since I have gone full-time on the business, earning a lower salary, it, yeah, 
didn't really have the room and the budget for that. However, it is something that we're looking to get into maybe in the next few months as we increase our salaries a bit more with the business revenue. Uh, we'd also have to do the numbers with the baby because I have been getting a few opinions from people about private health insurance, whether it's worth it or not in our situation. So yeah, I guess something that we'll just have to look into. I think that's one of the things about being an entrepreneur. Uh, it, it is more risky, obviously, in the short term to you know, leave your job, leave that safety net and that security to build your own business. But since I'm 26 now, I'm happy to, I'm comfortable taking on that risk. And if it doesn't work out, then I would, you know, obviously go back working full time in corporate. I feel like it's, there are two different types of um, decisions that you can make in life. I heard this one day from a podcast. <laughs> so one is like a revolving door decision. So it means that if you make that decision, you can also come back out of that decision. It's not like it's set in stone forever. And there are other decisions that you make where it's like you make that decision and then you have to stick with that decision. So working on our business, leaving our job, that was something that I saw as a revolving door decision. You know, you make that decision and then you can always go back or you, you can always go back from those decisions. But yeah, the other ones that are fixed and set in stone, those ones I think definitely require a lot more consideration. You know, I was uh, 26 when I left my full-time job working for one of the major banks to launch my own financial planning practice, SAS Financial, and it was, mine too was a revolving door situation. I had nothing to lose and so much to gain, and I thought, you know what, worst case scenario, it doesn't work out, it backfires, I just go get a, another job again, back as a financial planner for another bank, it's easy. But I'm so glad it worked out, and I will admit at the time I was probably quite naive about you know, the risk I was going, because I had a mortgage at the time. So, you know, it was a, a big leap of faith, but it was the best thing I've ever done. It completely changed my mindset and the way that I look at my time and my money. And I have loved working for myself ever since. I don't think I could ever go back and work for a corporate ever, ever again. So it's very, pretty much the same age as you when you, you stepped out on your own. How have you built that safety net though because obviously say something happens to you and you know you're then stuck in the public system um, and you know there might be a different doctor that you want to see or you might need a particular treatment that's not under you know the Australian medical system have you got extra emergency money savings set aside to help factor in that fact you don't have private health insurance yeah we do we personally have a personal emergency fund that's factored that the extra risk into consideration and also a business emergency fund and a business buffer as well just so that we can still afford to keep going on our business even if we aren't able to earn an income from it yeah and the other important thing to think about is when you guys or if you guys do decide one day okay yeah we do need private health insurance particularly in having a baby is to make sure you read the fine print of those policies because quite often having a baby has got a 12-month waiting period and it's something that i actually got caught out with because we've all, i've always had private health insurance however i and i have top or the second top most comprehensive private health insurance for my family but and I had both Tiger, I had, sorry, I had both Rocco and Apple in the public healthcare system. But then when it came to having Tiger, uh, I decided to have it in the private system. And literally in the birthing suite at the private hospital, as I'm like in labor, we discovered that I didn't have the, what the technical term is within the 
private healthcare system and your health insurance, but I wasn't covered for delivering a baby under my private healthcare. So make sure you have that in your policy and make sure you've uh, checked the fine print around any waiting periods that apply because we actually literally in the birthing suite had to hand over our ATM debit card and pay the eight or $9,000 right then and there to the private hospital in order to be able to give birth in that private hospital. So yeah, warning to everyone, I actually did a podcast about this and it's called My Shocker of a Week, where I got scammed on Gumtree, I discovered I wasn't covered for private health insurance to give birth in a private hospital, and then something else disastrous happened as well. I literally was calling Tom going, it was a really expensive week, it was something like I think twelve or $15,000 expense that went painfully wrong. So yeah, the, um, private health insurance is something I've always had and I always I do value, but obviously not everyone can afford it and that's why we have the public system in place. So obviously, yeah, my word of wisdom is read the fine print and check any waiting periods, particularly as you, you know, that being the catalyst is having a baby. You want to make, don't end up like me and make my mistake. <laughs> um, what would you say, what drives you and motivates you in your financial journey? What drives me? I would say I, I want to be somebody that is old, looking back on their life and just not regretting not regretting the decisions that I've made and the things that I've done. And that's why I personally try to make decisions for older, wiser Queenie that I think she'll be proud of. And that includes, you know, things like taking a risk, stepping outside, I guess, my comfort zone, starting the business, leaving my full-time job. Those are decisions that I think older, wiser Queenie would be happy that I did, even if it didn't work out. So yeah, I guess one of my drivers is just making her happy and comfortable um, with all of this, the decisions that I make. I, I want to be somebody who really tried and like lived life to the fullest rather than somebody that just, you know, sits back, lets life happen to them. And also being able to, I guess, help people on the journey and bring people along the journey. I've had so much fun over the past couple of years sharing my story, sharing tips and hacks and engaging with people on social media. And it's just, it's honestly taken me to places that I never thought I'd be. So I'm just looking forward to the journey, continue learning and growing and probably making mistakes as well as you do when you're starting something new and, you know, living life. But yeah, I think I'd rather be somebody that goes out there and makes mistakes rather than somebody that doesn't go out there and doesn't try new things, you know, for fear of failure. So yeah my driver what is the most i guess the biggest splurge that's a non-financial asset that you've ever purchased for yourself oh i would probably have to say the tesla definitely a splurge <laughs> because uh well back when i was young i we never really had i know it sounds really superficial it really does but no, you know we never all. really had like you know crazy lifestyle never really had a fancy car or anything and I don't know. It was something that I just really, I sat on it for such a long time and made the decision to buy it. But also I think it was in a way there, there were things that led us more towards that purchase rather than buying like an older used Toyota, which was the, I guess, more financial set, more financially savvy option. Mm -hmm. um, one of the reasons why we decided to get it was because um, it's on a business loan at the moment so we're able to write that off as a business expense and there's actually a new fbt exemption on electric vehicles for yeah. the business so i'm able to write off the full cost of an ev 
even if I do use the EV, sometimes for personal use as well. So that was one of the decisions that led us more towards that and um, just being able to get a, get a car because this is actually our, you know, first car that we've actually purchased, like something that it definitely was more than what we wanted to pay for one. Um, but knowing that, you know, the FPT exemption and I've seen the, the prices of EVs, they don't tend to depreciate as, as much as other cars because yeah. the world's moving towards that direction. But yeah, that's the way that I justified the expensive purchase. <laughs> Probably not financially savvy, but you know, you live, you learn. And I still, I still don't regret that purchase because it was one that I really made with intention when I bought it. Yeah. And that's so important to, you know, that's why my book's called Mindful Money is being mindful before you make that big decision so that you can enjoy it guilt-free and you can look at it with a sense of pride and joy and, you know, inspiration for the next goal or the next dream that you want to work on. Do you ever think it's too early to start taking your financial well-being seriously? I don't think so because whatever happens in your life, that time is going to pass, whether it's planning for six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. I mean, touch wood that we all, you know, live that long to be able to live in those times that we imagine for ourselves. But I think that what I've realized in life is sometimes you set goals years and years in the future and you think that that time will never come, but it actually does come and it comes sooner than you think it does. I mean, I'm 26 now, but I never really, you know, when I was 18, 15 or something, planning for 26-year-old Queenie is just so strange, you know, because you, you kind of don't picture yourself as that age, but then eventually you become that age and you'll be thankful to yourself making decisions that would benefit that person in your later years. So yeah, definitely never too late to start thinking about your finances, never too early to start thinking about your finances and doing yourself a favor for future you. All right, I've got one last question for you. What is not necessarily the biggest, but the most, your proudest financial accomplishment you've made to date? Ooh, okay. I would say being able to purchase an apartment when I was, you know, quite young, around 23. Um, and I would also say starting the business and being able to leave my work and still have enough money to live. And I think that's... Yeah, something that I'm really proud of myself for doing. It definitely was scary. You learn a lot doing things that make you uncomfortable, but I'm really proud of myself for doing those hard things because I think that's how you grow and how you learn. Absolutely. Stepping out of our comfort zone and learning, you know, that saying sink or swim, it forces you when you're out of that comfort zone and it's frightening and scary, you you learn quickly how to dog, doggy paddle and doggy paddle as hard as you possibly can and then improve that doggy paddle skill to you know freestyle and backstroke and butterfly and keep your head above water but comfortably above water so that you feel safe again so I'm completely on board with you exactly what you're saying there Queenie thank you so much for coming on today's podcast I really appreciate it and, and um, please for anyone who's interested in seeing Queenie's content I will link it in the podcast notes for everyone to, to go and check out and if you could leave, take a moment, please, to leave me a rating and a review, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll see you later on the week on Thursday afternoon for a fresh video on YouTube for Sugar Mama TV. Ciao for now.